Merry Christmas Eve, K-First. So excited for what the Christmas season has brought thus far. We had an amazing time on Friday night at our Christmas candlelight service. And I'm so excited for what God has in store for us for the rest of the year. Next week, we will be back in person. We're going to be wrapping up our series on James. And then we are heading into January where we've got some amazing things in store. If you have your Bibles, I want to read from the book of James, chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And it says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Lord Jesus, I pray over this moment and over this time that you would just meet us here, that you would take your word and let it enrich our lives, that we would see fruit born. And Lord, I speak over this Christmas Eve morning that it would be not just a great day, but Lord, a great couple days as families come together, individuals come together, friends reconnect, and we celebrate you and your birth and what you've brought to this world. So Lord, we speak blessing upon one and all in Jesus' name. Amen. When it comes to Christmas Day, Christmas Day is about transitions. Like when I think about the transitions of Christmas Day, I think about waking up early as a kid, wake up early, getting mom and dad out of bed and going and opening up presents. And then from present time, you go from the transition of let's rip everything open to now let's put everything together. I mean, that's what I've experienced as a dad, as an older brother, uh, as an uncle. Like when the little ones open things up, you go from excited about getting it, now they're excited about playing with it. And so you go into the transition of we're doing this and celebrating, now the madness of cutting open the plastic toy, the, the toys in the plastic, getting that sharp plastic piece off, pulling it open, getting the batteries in, and getting into that mode so then you could transition to the rest of the day, which is meals or uh, my parents would tell me my grandparents would wake them up and my grandparents would go back to bed so that their kids could just play with toys and they can get extra sleep. We have transitions that happen throughout the day, right? Whatever your plans are, you transition from one mode to the next mode to the next mode and, and it's no wonder why we're exhausted at the end of the holidays. When you look at the book of James, it has been one of the most, if not the most practical book in the entirety of the New Testament. And James transitions out of very practical talk into very spiritual talk. It's like he has shifted from one gear all of a sudden into the next gear. And we get into this mode where James is talking about prayer. And in fact, if you look at the passage we've just read, you'll see that the word prayer is utilized five times. Five times. And I've taught you this for the past 14 and a half years. Anytime you see words repeated in the Scripture, you have to know the Holy Spirit is trying to emphasize something. And what's the emphasis here? It's prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is the difference between the best that I can do and the best that God can do. I want you to grasp that. Prayer is the difference between the best that we can do underneath our own power, our own strategy, our own wisdom, 
and the best that God can do. And I don't know about you, I want the best that God has for me. And so God calls us to prayer because it gives us a chance to lean into Him and to lean into His presence. And quite frankly, it becomes more than the to-do list that we want God to do. It becomes the place where we get changed by the power of God and we begin to lean into what He wants. And so if there are three truths I would like you to write down. If you're a note-taker, and I hope you are, I want you to write down these three truths about prayer. Number one, prayer puts my unknown future into the hands of an all-knowing God. Prayer puts my unknown future, the things that I don't know about or the things that I'm unsure about, it puts it in the hands of an all-knowing God. It says this, are you sick? Call upon the elders. Are you hurting? Call out. One translation says, are any of you in trouble? Let them call out in prayer. That's what prayer does. You see, the problem with problems it's not necessarily the problem. It's where the problem is actually going. Did you catch what I said? The problem with problems is not necessarily the problems at hand. It's where the problems actually go. Because what ends up happening when you think about a situation when it hits you, you don't think about that moment. You think about where is this going? What's going to happen next? What's going to take place? Where is this going? And so when we get into those modes, James says, if you're in trouble, pray. Why? Because God is at work. He may not tell you how He's going to do it. He may not give you every bit of revelation, but He is at work. You've heard me say this so often, that just because our senses can't pick up what God is doing doesn't mean that God's not doing anything. And when I can't see Him in the foreground, many times God is already working in the background. And so many people don't have confidence that God is at work because they just can't see it in the moment. But I'm here to say that just because you might be play, pacing the floors at home doesn't mean that God is pacing the floors in heaven. God is at work. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, give your entire, your entire attention to God and what He is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I love that. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Often we get so worried about what's happening in the future. I have a problem now. I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know where it's going to go. James would say, pray. What does that mean? Lean into what God is doing right now. Don't miss out on what God's doing right now because we're so busy thinking about the next step, the next 20 steps, the next 30 steps. Lean into God right now and pray. I will tell you this. One of the most calming things that I've heard from people are the two words, let's pray. When I call up friends, when I call up individuals and I talk to them about things that I'm dealing with and, hey, I'm battling this, with this. I'm thinking about this for the church. This is going on in my life. This is happening in my family. There is, there's very few words more calming than to hear on the other end of the phone or face-to-face -face somebody say, wow, that seems like a lot. You know what? Let's pray. There's just something calming about just getting into the place where what, have we sought God's face on this yet? Let's talk to God about this. Let's lean into who He is in this moment. It's just something calming about letting the presence of God in that moment. Instead of worrying and having anxiety, we lean into our all-knowing God. 
I've got a really good friend. He preaches on the other side of the state. And whenever somebody is upset at him at his church and they want to come meet with them, hey, pastor, I want to talk with you. I've got some problems. I'm upset at you. He says, I would be glad to meet with you, but I don't meet with anybody unless they go and spend 30 minutes in prayer in the prayer room before they meet with me. And he says, some people don't ever show up. Other people, they show up to the prayer room and then they end up meeting with him and just simply say, listen, I've already solved everything. I figured some things out. Why? Because the Spirit of God came in that moment. Our all-knowing God came into the unknown moment and met us there. This is what James is talking about. Second truth. Prayer puts my hopeless situations in the hands of an all-powerful God. Prayer does put our unknown plans, our unknown future, into the hands of an all-knowing God. But prayer also places my hopeless situations into the hands of an all-powerful God. The Scripture says that when we offer prayer for things like sickness, that the Lord can make those well. And if you've sinned, you can be forgiven. In this moment, when you feel hopeless because of something that's happening to you or something that's happened within you, God can meet you there and God can help bring hope in the middle of a hopeless situation. One of, the, one of my most favorite characters in all of the Scripture, one of my most favorite individuals is a man by the name of Abraham. As a kid, we grew up singing the song called Father Abraham. Abraham is such a prominent individual in all of biblical history, and he is a man of faith. And what I love what it says in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. That tells me that even in the middle of struggle, in the middle of what Abraham had was a hopeless situation, he actually kept uh, growing his faith. He kept growing his faith. I love that. And Abraham was given a promise. What was it? It was a promise of a child. And that promise was given, and there was quite a bit of time between the promise when it was given and when the promise was fulfilled. And some of us, our faith only grows when we see the promise fulfilled. But Abraham shows us in the middle of situation that an all-powerful God can still work in that process, that while we are in the waiting, our faith can grow. And so that's why I read the Scripture. Because there are times that my faith is waning, or maybe my faith is weak. And the reason why I lean into people like Abraham or David, other individuals, Elijah, I love reading the Scriptures because sometimes when I'm weak in my faith, I like to borrow their faith. Have you ever borrowed somebody's faith? Have you ever seen just in Scripture or even seen an individual in your life that God is working in their life, God has done some amazing things, and you just need to kind of lean into that and begin to say, God, I've seen you work in my friend's life. I've seen you work in my family's life. I've seen you work in my parents' life. God, I've seen you work in Abraham. I've seen you work in Joseph. I've seen you work in David. I'm looking at these men and women of Scripture. You were there for Ruth. You were there for Esther. Lord, today I'm leaning into what you have done because I know faithful have you been and faithful you will be. Sometimes you've got to borrow faith. And maybe today, Christmas Eve, maybe you've had a rough holiday season thus far. Let's be real. The holidays are fantastic times, but also they could be challenging times. And there are mornings like this where you wake up on Christmas Eve morning and you're remembering challenging things of this year. Maybe it's your first Christmas without a loved one. 
maybe you're celebrating Christmas without specific loved ones and family and, and friends and individuals just because of some fracture that's taken place in the family. Maybe this, this has just been a season of struggle. I'm here to say that maybe this morning you don't have a lot of faith to believe that I want you to understand something. You can b- borrow my faith for you. Because I'm believing what God began in you that God can bring to fulfillment. If God has given you promises, you have n- may have not seen the fulfillment of those promises. I believe God can fulfill them. I believe God can do more than you've asked or imagined. If you don't have faith, borrow it from me. If you don't have faith, open up the Scriptures and begin to borrow it from individuals. And begin to lean in and say, God, I don't see you working, but I trust in you. Because prayer is going to help me in the middle of my hopeless moment know that my hopeless is in the hands of an all-powerful God. That leads me toward number three. Prayer puts my broken life in the hands of an all-forgiving God. Prayer puts my broken life in the hands of an all-forgiving God. Here, the Lord, if you've committed sins, the Lord will forgive you. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you might be healed in the earnest prayer of a righteous person has power, and it produces wonderful results. I love this, that we can take our brokenness. Scripture talks about sickness. It talks about sin. And it says that even in these broken moments, that we can lean into this all-forgiving God. And then he connects this amazing Scripture. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful, and one Scripture says, effective, and has wonderful results. Lean into that and think about that because the word comes up that it's a righteous person whose prayer is powerful and produces wonderful results. So you have to kind of pull back a little bit. You have to kind of engineer it a little bit and ask yourself, okay, a righteous person has powerful prayer. How does one become righteous? You become righteous by turning to Jesus. How do you, righteousness really means something that was wrong that was made right. Somebody's who had wrongs, who had sin, and they were made right. That person is now righteous. And the only way that we become righteous is we accept the forgiveness and the gift of grace that comes from Jesus Christ. And there's something about leaning into Jesus that not just saves and redeems us, it gives us power for living and power for prayer. So when you put your hands in, into the life of Christ, He gives you forgiveness, and from that He gives you life. I love what 2 Corinthians says. In Christ, God put the wrong on Him who never did anything wrong so that we could put, be put right with God. One translation says, He that, beca- that had no sin, that knew no sin, became sin, that we might become, get this, the righteousness of God. Our good standing comes from Him. The righteousness comes from Him. We are reconciled through Christ to Him. And from that, we get to pray and we get to see powerful things happen. And maybe you're listening today or watching this today and you don't feel righteous. You don't feel like you're right with God. But here's the beautiful thing I want to give to you on Christmas Eve morning. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved everybody. Not a couple people, not a few select. Everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And when you call out to the Lord and you invite Him in, He redeems you, He forgives you, and He heals your brokenness. This is what James is about. As we're getting close to wrapping up this book, he switches from practical to spiritual, and he wants you to lean into the power of prayer. Let me give you those three again. Prayer puts my unknown future into the hands of an all-knowing God. Prayer puts my hopeless situation into the hands of an all-powerful God. And prayer puts my broken life into the hands of an all-forgiving God. James wants us to lean into this and to embrace the power of prayer. And then all of a sudden, James switches into another mode. He's gone from practical to spiritual, and then he goes into story mode, and he says this, verse 17, Elijah was as human as we are. He's referencing a father of the faith in the Old Testament. And when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. I love that. It's this beautiful story out of the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. You should read it on your own. It is a great, great, great story. And Elijah is this illustration where James is trying to say, I want to show you how prayer works. Because prayer begins with faith. And he wants the, he wants the readers of the scattered church to understand that you can pray too. But you've got to have faith. And faith is where it all begins. See, that's that's what happened with Elijah. That's how it all works. See, faith begins with a word. Elijah was given a word to go and to give a king a word that rain would return. He had the audacity to look out on a gorgeous day. Even though they had no rain for three and a half years, he looked out at the sun is shining and had the audacity to look and to believe for something different, for something to change. Faith begins with a word. And what we've got to do is understand that our faith begins with a word. Some of us need a word from the Lord. You know where, it's where to start? Start with your Bibles. Start with reading your Scripture. Get a word from the Lord. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Get a word. Faith believes when God has spoken something that we're going to trust in what God has said. Number two, faith builds when we are determined to not give up. Faith builds when we are determined not to give up. Elijah's given a word that there's going to be rain. And so he sends his servant, 1 Kings 18, to go look out the window. Hey, tell me about the clouds that you see. And the servant looks out the window and it's a clear sky. I don't see any clouds. Go and check again. Comes back, no clouds. Go check again. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, and the last time, the servant goes to the window and he says, you know what? I'm seeing a cloud the size of a man's hand. This is for all of us that when you're believing for something, but you're not seeing it happen in the time frame that you thought. What if we pray and we don't see an immediate result? What if we pray and we're not seeing transformation? What if we pray and we're not seeing the salvation, the healing, the, uh, the, the opportunities open up, the open doors that we're looking for, the provision that we want there? What do we do? We keep believing and we keep trusting because faith builds when we are determined that we're not going to give up on God because if God spoke it, then we know God is going to provide. Then all of a sudden, the servant sees a small little cloud, and Elijah says, that's all I needed right there. All I needed was a, I, all I needed was a start of something. And he gets moving. Uh, next, faith builds 
through the supernatural, excuse me, through the natural into the supernatural. Faith breaks through the natural into the supernatural. This is where the story of Elijah gets crazy because he sends word to King Ahab, the rain is about to come. Get in your chariots and get back to Jezreel. Get back to the palace. You better get moving because the rain is about to outpour. You don't want to get stuck in the mud. There's that much rain coming. And then God empowers Elijah, Elijah, get this, to actually run ahead of the chariots. Think about that. This guy, this is more than just a long distance run. This was a sprint, a supernatural sprint where he outpaced chariots and horses and made it ahead. Why? I still fully don't understand that to this day, but I look at this moment and it reminds me that faith breaks through the natural into the supernatural to do above and beyond what we can do ourselves. Faith. See, for Elijah, it began with the Word. And it began to build when he wouldn't give up. And then when he wouldn't give up, the natural broke to the supernatural. And so you say, well, well, Dave, what does that mean for us on Christmas Eve? I need a word, and this is the beauty of it all, that we were given a word. Faith begins with a word. I'm going to give you a word this morning. It's out of John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. John chapter 1, verse 1 is talking about a word that was given to us, and his name is Jesus. He is the Word, and He's where it all begins. He's the one that we lean into, and He is the one that the prophet Isaiah talked about hundreds of years prior that Isaiah knew He would come. In fact, let me read you Isaiah chapter 9. This is the scripture that I read whenever we do our family Christmas, and we're getting ready to open up gifts. We read Isaiah chapter 9. And we lean into the word that was given to us, that we might have faith and we might see more than we've asked or imagined. Here it is, Isaiah 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will show. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of slavery and you'll lift a burden from their shoulders, and you'll break the oppressor's rod, just as you destroy the armies of Midian. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be placed upon his shoulders, and we are given names of God, names of Christ, that he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For unto us a child was born. Who was that child? John called him the Word. The final Word. The Word that you and I need to not just discover our faith, but to grow our faith and believe for so much more. Are you in a place where you're in need? Pray. Are you in a place of celebration? Pray. Are you in a place of emptiness and brokenness? Pray. Are you in a place of abundance? Pray. Because when we lean into prayer, we actually see the difference, get this, we said this earlier, between what we can do and what God can fully do in our life. I don't know about you. I don't want the best I can do for my life. I want the best God can do. And the way that we discover it is we pray.
I want to pray for you and just speak blessings over your Christmas Eve. Jesus, I ask that today that you would just lead us to a place of intimacy where we know you more and we discover you in a better way. And Lord, I'm thankful that our faith builds from a word and you are our word. The one given to us. The one that the Isaiah prophet spoke of hundreds of years prior that would come in a manger and be born, to be born to die for all of us. And we thank you that death was not the final say. That resurrection life took place when you walked out of that tomb. You walked out not just having life, but Lord, giving us life forevermore. Life eternal. Lord, I ask that you would just meet with us in this moment. Whether people are watching in their homes, in their cars, uh, Lord, wherever people find themselves, Lord, I pray that you would help us to turn towards you and become a greater people of prayer as we continue to lean into who you are, discovering what you desire, God, that we would see miracles, salvation, transformation take place, not because of anything that we feel that we could do or drum up, but, Lord, that we could just lean into who you are and see what you would desire, what you would empower, and what you would unfold for this area. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word in James, for your challenge to prayer, and for, Lord, what you're going to do to wrap up this year and to lead us into another year because we know in you the best is always yet to come. So we say to you, the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be the honor and glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. God bless. Have an amazing Christmas Eve and have an amazing Christmas Day tomorrow.